New York State is at a crossroads in its efforts to comply with the ambitious green energy goals laid out in the 2019 Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act. And while it no longer seems feasible that the state will realize its statutory goal of 70% renewable electricity by 2030, state policymakers are still working to reduce the Empire State's carbon footprint. For more on the energy issues at the Capitol, including Governor Hochul's effort to overhaul the siting of new transmission lines, we're joined in the Capitol Press Room studio by Assemblymember Dee Dee Barrett, a Hudson Valley Democrat who chairs the Chamber's Energy Committee. Welcome back to the show, Assemblymember. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. It's our pleasure to have you. So the governor's budget proposal includes the quote-unquote Renewable Action Through Project Interconnection and Deployment Act, aka the RAPID Act, which would overhaul the existing state approval process for transmission projects, imposing new timelines, and create a one-stop shop for the environmental review and permitting of major electric transmission developments, all with the hope of accelerating the placement of transmission lines that will be needed uh, to move renewable energy around the state in the future. Broadly speaking, what do you think of the governor's proposal? Well, first off, I don't you just want to know who the person was who came up with that acronym and fit all those other words into it? <laughs> yeah, it seems like they had a mission that it needs to be rapid. Now you work your way backwards from there. Exactly, because obviously the goals are to try to get this done more quickly and, and get uh, get projects uh, approved and, and move on. But yes, the, every time I, I, I hear someone describe that whole, what the name is, I just sort of think, who thought of that? It's definitely not rapid in its delivery of the name. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, I think it's, uh, there's a parts of it that make a lot of sense to me. First of all, moving the ORS um, operation from... And that's the Office of Renewable Energy Siting. Exactly, another, another acronym to the PSC instead of the Department of State, which is uh, where it has been housed, Mm -hmm. because that is more consistent. But it's, you know, there's still a lot of questions here uh, about whether some of the the practices that were part of the uh, process for the um, siting would also follow through. For example, public hearings, the involvement of the public, the engagement um, of the commitment that the developer has to have to work with the community through these processes. It's not clear. None of those details have really been part of what the transmission part of it will have. And for that matter, even the siting part in the new location. I mean, we've got some questions about that. So does... The Office of Renewable Energy Siting need additional staff to add transmission approval to a docket that already includes a very ambitious uh, renewable energy siting uh, mandate? They certainly should, but at our hearing last week, uh, there were some comments that seems like they you know, felt that they could do what they were doing with the uh, current uh, team. No, I think this is very much a work in progress, and I, you know, I think the, uh, the proof will be in the pudding as we have the two one houses come out and then the discussions there about where that's all going to go. There were so many um, vague, open-ended issues in the governor's proposal that, uh, you know, I think a lot of it is going to be fought and and, uh, lined up during that scrum of, you know, of the budget uh, process. Well, it seems like a lot of the ambiguity would potentially be spelled out by state regulators when they actually write regulations to implement this law. So are are you concerned uh, about giving them too much latitude with how they actually implement this? And and would you like to see more of it spelled out in the actual budget language? 
very much so. I mean, I think that is one of the things that we've we've learned that's always been sort of a priority of mine in, in looking at this is that, um, you know, we have NYSERDA, which is, you know, doing a great job, but doing a lot of things. Uh, and this is our, you know, the, we're passing these uh, these bills. We should be have the input at least try to have the input into what we want. So yes, I would like to see the legislature have much more say, particularly on things that we've seen as part of the siting process that did and didn't work. And I you know, very much think it's important that we have uh, the engagement of the communities involved, um, that you know, the Cited Act, which I had introduced, and which the governor signed uh, a few months ago at the end of the year, really does give that uh, uh, seat at the table to local communities. And uh, I think that has to be part of the, the transmission process, too. I think what we're seeing is a lot of things can be held up, as, you know, it's no surprise, by litigation. And litigation comes when people, particularly communities, don't feel that they've been able to, uh, you know, to, to have their point of view heard, that they're, you know, they're not at the table. And I think what we can do is is really kind of um, mitigate against that by having a more clear, spelled out process that we are, you know, that, that not to slow things down, but to really speed things up. What well, do you think, conversely, then, that spelling out the process could also limit future legal avenues that communities might have to uh, try to slow or, or block projects by spelling out, you know, you, you, this is not a valid reason. This is not a valid reason for blocking something. Is that something that could potentially tie the hands of communities in the future? Um, I think, you know, not necessarily, possibly, but, you know, currently um, Article 7 um, allows local laws to be overridden. So mm-hmm. that's already in, you know, in the hands of the permitting process and ORIS. So I, I just think, you know, this is all a work in progress, like so many things. You know, we're, we're flying the plane and building it all at the same time here. Um, and, and I, you know, I, for me, this is something that, that's a priority because of, of, of the experience I had in my own district. You know, we saw this on Long Island with the bill that the governor vetoed uh, for an offshore wind project. So this notion of top down, we're going to tell you what to do, just come along because we have these goals is not necessarily the best way to reach the goals. And finally, on this topic, you mentioned the idea of input in the process. Uh, The governor's proposal calls for a farmland protection working group, which is tasked with making recommendations to recognize the value of agriculture property as we're figuring out where transmission projects should go and the extent of them. Do you think that is a useful tool for ensuring a balanced approach to the development of future transmission lines? Or is that more lip service to concerns that uh, preservation advocates might have? I think the devil's in the details here. So what this working group is going to do, there is currently a working group that came out of the, the CLCPA and um, the climate, you know, the, the, the groups that the scoping plan delineated. There already is one. So I'm not sure exactly what, again, what this group is, is going to be tasked with and, and what, you know, authority it will actually have. Well, before we move on, let me reintroduce you for listeners uh, just joining us. We're speaking with the Assembly Energy Committee Chair, Dee Dee Barrett, a Hudson Valley Democrat. Well, turning to your priorities for 2024, whether in the context of the budget or is standalone legislation, what are you hoping to get done as Energy Chair this year? Well, we really hope to continue moving towards those first the 2030 and 2040. 
40 and 2050 goals. So working with colleagues in legislation to do that. But I'm kind of approaching some of these things um, from a slightly different angle as well. And I've got two priorities in the budget that I'm hoping we'll be able to get into both our one house and then in the long term, the enacted budget. Um, but one of them is we talk a lot about the workforce and who's going to be the workforce of the future here. Mm-hmm. But uh, the reality is, especially with all the delays that we're seeing, there's going to be a lot of projects that are going to start construction at exactly the same time. And we don't even begin to have that kind of uh, of, of workforce uh, in, you know, in the mix. And so we're working with, um, with the New York state laborers and uh, looking to, to help at least jumpstart a pilot program for wraparound services for pre-apprenticeship participants to get more people who would love to be part of the pre-apprentices and then ultimately the apprenticeship, but childcare, transportation are, are real obstacles. So this would be a pilot to uh, put money in the two, two of their uh, upstate training centers, one in the capital area and one in, in central New York, and uh, offer those wraparound services that could draw people for the pre-apprentice. Because then once they're in an apprentice program, it's, you know, they're getting paid. But prior to that, it's a commitment to want to be on a career track, but not being able to get there. Right, it's a leap of faith there. you're taking. And it's costing you because you have to figure out how, you know, who's going to take care of your child. How are you going to get there? All of those. So that's one piece. And another one is actually another very upstate idea, uh, and that's to add an additional $10 million uh, to an existing, uh, the Olympic funding, um, the Olympic, uh, what is it? Regional Development Authority, ORDA. You got it. Yes, exactly. For the private ski areas so that they can have energy efficient and uh, green snow production. Obviously, the climate change has really wrecked havoc on our ski resorts. That old technology really requires ideal circumstances to to make snow. New technology, which is more energy efficient, actually can use higher temperatures and more humidity and still create the same amount of snow or more, creating opportunities for more trails and for all of these private, small private uh, ski centers in the state. And interestingly, New York State has the largest number of private ski resorts in the country more than Colorado, more than Vermont. You know, these are real uh, economic drivers for a lot of our towns. And obviously, the climate has been a a key piece of it. So I think that's a really interesting opportunity to, you know, to sort of dovetail the energy efficiency issues with our recreation in in the area. We've also got um, sales and, and use tax exemption for energy storage, so that they're on a level playing field with uh, other production that, that gets a tax exemption so for wind and for solar. But this will allow storage to also get the same tax exemption from the outset. So it will incentivize those projects as well because, you know, it's production, it's transmission, and it's storage that are the, the sort of three-legged stool of getting to our goals. Is there an expectation that right now that storage projects are lagging because of that imbalance you highlighted? Possibly, possibly. I mean, I think there's still more of them, you know, coming online, being developed. But yes, I think that, you know, this is the incentive that would help make it more appealing and more attractive. So one of the big uh, regulatory items underway right now by the Hochul administration is the implementation of a cap and invest proposal uh, that's sort of in the DEC and NYSERDA's hands right now. But from your perspective with, you know, oversight responsibilities, 
What do you think of what we've heard so far from the Hochul administration as they've begun to craft this plan and begun to outline some of the costs uh, to consumers of this plan? Does it seem like they're heading in the right direction or do you feel like uh, the legislature needs to uh, intervene in this process uh, at some point? Again, there's very little information. There have been webinars. There are delayed plans. We're not getting the kind of information to really have a sense of what's going on. And that's concerning because I think everybody is looking at affordability right now and not laying all this on the back of the ratepayers. But I feel like if there were really great news, we'd be hearing it. So it's troubling that, uh, you know, that we don't have those details, though I understand. And, you know, we questioned during the hearing last week uh, and, you know, we're told we're working on it. We're, you know, trying to get there. But I think cap and invest sounds great. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the principles are good, but it's, it's definitely, I think, what, what, what they saw in other states, uh, particularly Washington state, um, was a real disaster. And uh, New York state doesn't want to make the same mistakes. And, and so they're really taking their time. Well, do you have appetite or does the legislature more broadly have appetite to set some sort of very specific guardrails for the Hochul administration? Because their regulatory authority you know, comes from the laws that you guys pass. So theoretically, you could steer the direction in terms of the final product. Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's something that we um, we've had sort of informal conversations in, in, in our house and, and something that we definitely have an appetite for, you know, how far that's going to get is still a uh, We'll see how hungry you are. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, we've been speaking with the Assembly Energy Committee Chair, Dee Dee Barrett. She is a Hudson Valley Democrat. Assembly member, thank you so much for visiting us in the studio. Thank you so much for your interest, David. It's always nice to talk to you and uh, um, appreciate talking energy. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.